0: Alright. Here we are.
1: Hello. Once I was, again. There was an awkward pause because our yeah. cat has grown up twice. He and staring at our cat. I heard her drinking water and got scared she was growing up again.
0: Oh no. Alright, well, I'm sure that's information you all really wanted to know. They so care the um...
1: and welfare <laughs> of our cats. Sure, sure. Anyways, we're here, uh, in the new year, the future, twenty twenty-three. Uh to talk about The Ballad of Black Tom by Victor LaValle.
0: Yes, which was our January 2023 read. Another very short book, only 150 or so pages yep. for the book. And uh, I guess you could describe it as kind of a... I think what I would describe it as is like a noir eldritch horror Yeah, kinda? it's like
1: a cosmic Cosmic mystery.
0: It kind of has, like, those, these, like, noir vibes to be Yeah, known. yeah. If you know what I mean when I say noir, like, that kind
2: of...
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it, it It kind of has sleuthing in it. Even <laughs> yeah. though, like, it's not the kind of sleuthing where they're like, I connected the dots this way. They just kind of go like, oh, I figured it out. Because yeah. the story is so short. But I think it works.
0: It's good. And you know what? We've read, I mean... The, the the other one I can think of is uh The Worm and His Kings, yeah. which is another very short Eldritch story, Eldritch horror story, and I kind of think it works for the genre. That's what I was going to say. I kind of feel like it works.
1: One of the biggest criticisms and jokes about Stephen King is that he writes incredible books, but he can't end them, because how do you end, like, Cosmic horror? Like, yeah. The villain, it's like they're unkillable, infinite entities, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, most of the time. Uh, so, like, his endings always kind of suffer from that. But I think if you keep it short, you know, you don't have to wrap up, like, all of, like, the world's mysteries in it. Like, yeah. you can just kind of talk about the one character's experience and, and be in and out.
0: And then you're done, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so, our book. Yeah. The Ballad of Black Tom.
1: Yeah, I would say there's maybe five main characters, and only like three of them are super important.
2: Mm. Like,
1: there's like three, three. There's a protagonist, maybe two or three antagonists, and then a few tertiary characters. But it's about a guy named Charlie Tester who lives in. Um, is he in Queens?
0: Harlem. Harlem.
1: Harlem. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, with his dad. And his dad used to have a job, but he's kind of retired now, forcibly. He used
0: to be a bricklayer, I think, was the story. And he essentially is, like, messed up from all the hard labor.
1: Yeah, and, like, he was injured and they didn't hold his job for him because he's a black man. Mm -hmm. And they didn't legally have to.
0: So at the beginning of the book, I feel like Charlie Tester is essentially the trope of the charlatan. Like, kind
1: of, Yeah, right? he's like
0: a baby con man. Like, yeah, he's like a con man, but, like, he he could afford to buy nicer clothes, but he doesn't. Because he he buys, like, nice clothes that look a little frayed, because he knows that when people look at him, they'll see a certain thing. Or, like, he could buy the poshest, like, I can't remember which style of hats he said he owned yeah. versus what he could buy, but, you know, like, he could buy the nicest style, But instead, he buys, like, last year's style to make it look like he's trying to look nice, but he clearly doesn't have money, is kind of the persona he wants to give off. He's
1: almost a rogue, but, like, not in a malevolent way. Like, except that he's conning people, but only, like, very small time, it seems.
0: Yeah, and it's not really that he's even, like, conning people. He's, like, doing jobs for people, but then maybe, like, getting a little more... From it than you normally would, or um, and, and I feel like I should also mention for the sake of the the story because I think it is important is that he is a black man yeah. in Harlem in like the nineteen twenties or something like I, that. I think it's the twenties.
1: Um, as I say that because I think it's like right after World War One.
0: Mm-hmm. So he is essentially like his dad keeps trying to tell him to get like a. A yeah, A stable job. No, it doesn't seem like he necessarily, like, condescends to Charlie because of his, like, con man kind of work style, but more of that he just worries for him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, I don't know, I feel like in the long run this might not end up being the safest line of work for you, so we should maybe try and look at something else. But Charlie is like, no, I don't think so. It works for me. I don't have to break my back like you did bricklaying. I make way enough money for us to like live here. Yeah. And, li- and live like
1: live. fairly comfortably.
0: Not yeah. just survive. Like they're like living, right? Yeah.
1: Well, and that's the thing, is like I bet it's like not a good apartment, but it's like comfortable and they're not hungry.
0: Right, yeah. exactly. Is the
1: big the big thing. But he, at the beginning, the story starts with him delivering, like a, a book, a book to a woman who goes by the name of is it Maat? Like, I think
0: it's Maat, but it's spelled like M A A A T T.
1: Yeah. So like like uh, which uh, when I first read it, I was like, oh, is that like you know Auntie or like you know some kind of uh slang for like an older family member or something you know right and but then you know the the reveal is pretty cool actually yeah yeah but he so he's walking over there and he takes his guitar with him even though he can only play i think it's like two songs
0: right um his
1: dad's an actual like he can play music
0: and i think his mom could too it was mentioned yeah
1: but she's passed um, away
0: but yeah, so he's delivering this book to Ma at, and it's an it's a occult tome. Yeah, that is essentially what is it? It's the the true alphabet or something yeah. like that. It's called, which is like, the same
1: thing that's referenced in um, Lovecraft Country.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. So I essentially, it's like the words of power. Yeah, right, is what it is. Um, not the rings yeah. of power.
1: Because, <laughs> like in Lovecraft Country, the concept is like it's the language of Adam because Adam named everything mm. as a like, true name. Okay, you know, yeah. Um, but this is it's not the same exact name, but it's kind of like that same kind of vibe going on. Yeah, and he like talks about how he it like as when he gets to her house and like oh she like peeks out the door. That picture her being like real creepy about it, like, like the door opened, like, a little inch and her face was like,
0: Yeah, Hello? when I was imagining her, you know what, I was imagining an old white woman, and you know who I was imagining? I was imagining, like, from the movie It, when Beverly goes the, to that house and the old lady is, yeah. like, shuffling around. Yeah. I was imagining she looked like that, hmm. in my mind. That's a
1: great scene. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, but yeah, like, and she's real creepy about opening the door, and she's like, you got the book? And he's like- <laughs> You got
2: the book? <laughs> it's he's sunny, like,
1: yeah, and like, it, it, I, what I thought was really cool is that he, like, takes it out of his guitar case, mm. he keeps it in the sound hole of his guitar, right?
0: I think at that point he doesn't have a guitar yet. Right,
1: right. He has an empty He gets case. the guitar yeah. from his the, the job. But he, like, takes it out, and, like, as soon as it touches sunlight, it starts to, like, smoke.
0: Yeah, I was like, well, that's always a good sign that yeah. the book's evil. If you take it out into sunlight, it starts immediately immolating, like, yeah. starting on fire. But
1: <laughs> um, But she takes it, and she's like... Oh yeah, this rocks. And she like bangs on the mailbox and the door opens on the mailbox and there's like $500 in there. Yeah,
0: I think, yeah, something like that. Which even like back in the, even now would be like a lot of money to make from one job. But back in the day, I think he said it would be enough to pay their rent for like six months or something. I was like, that's just crazy to think Mm -hmm. about. But I do have to say, I think this opening sequence does actually show how clever uh, Charlie is. Mm -hmm. Because he he deal it's he says he deals with occult stuff like this all the time. So he like delivered this book to this lady, but before he delivered it to her, he took out the last page mm-hmm. because he knows how dangerous this information can be. And even he even though he like deals in it and like makes money off of it, it also shows that he's like not completely selfish yeah. in doing it because he's like, I'm gonna keep this information that could be harmful. And he, like, knows it could be harmful, so he's, like, intelligent enough to know that.
1: The only thing Um, I would say that maybe is, like, okay, you're smart enough to know this person should not have this power. And you're smart enough to try and con them, but how smart are you really if you're trying to con what is, like, a magical possibly being
0: well i feel like well i don't know i'd have to go back and reread it i feel like he knows she's like kind of creepy but i don't get the sense that then he's he, aware of what she yeah. is yet at this point yeah. so um, um
1: but yeah he so he takes the money and he's like hell yeah, hell off, yeah. buys a guitar <laughs> yep um <laughs>
0: I think he, he buys a guitar, guitar, and then I think he... Goes. Does he go home, or does he start playing the guitar first?
1: I think he goes home, and then he goes to his friend's club. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the next day is when he's playing the guitar, and he meets um, Robert... Sudan. Sudan. Sudan? Yeah. Sudan? Who, I am unclear if he's a villain or just, like, a weird guy.
0: I, the sense that I, I mean, well, we could talk about it more later, too, when we talk about him, but I kind of get the sense where he's just, like, he is dangerous, because he's essentially an old, rich, white man who's kind of grown bored with what he's learned in life, so he's now looking into more dangerous things, but he doesn't really care about where that will necessarily lead to the rest of humanity yeah. if he's, like, messing with these forces kind mm. of thing. So... But, yeah. So, I guess that could be villainous, mm. in a way.
2: He's
1: like Noku. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But, um, anyways, so he buys his guitar, he visits his friend's club, which is not, like, super important, except that it's, like, a nice club for people of color.
0: I was gonna say, I think the important piece about the club, because it is mentioned a few times, is that it is, like, a safe space. And, like, he goes there, and he's always, like, eating different, like, ethnic food from, like, the yeah. Caribbean this day, or, like, you know, uh, Ethiopia this day, yeah. or, like, well, and it's just
1: kind of, like... And I think it's also a commentary, because there's always been this idea for people of color that, like, maybe it would be better if we sent them back to Africa. And, like, people keep throwing that idea around, which doesn't make any damn sense. Right. But he, you know... When he's there, and he takes his dad there, and they're eating like like ethnic foods. Mm-hmm. His dad's like, "What is this? I don't know what this is." Like, yeah. you know, they're they're just Americans.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I do have to say I did think that scene was a little bit funny where he was like, "What? Where's the mac and cheese?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, "He's not going to eat like the the oxtail because yeah. he's like he's a he's like a African American, but he's like an American." Yeah, he's been right? in America so his whole he, life. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um. But the next day, he decides with his guitar that in a few songs, he knows how to play. He's going to go, like, busk essentially. Mm-hmm. And basically, like, when people notice him, hopefully they'll give him money. And then he can, like, tell them, like, a sob story. Yeah. And get some more money out of them or get, like, a, a job.
2: Right. From them. Yeah.
1: And he's, he's playing on the streets. Um, and this guy named Roberts, I don't know if it's Sudam or Sudjam, like, I don't know how to say it. I
0: think, I, in my mind, I think I was saying Sudan, Sudam, but I don't know, I don't know. Sudjam
1: sounds more magical to me.
0: Yeah? And this
1: man's essentially, like, an eccentric wizard. Yeah. Um, and he, so he, like, walks up and he's like, he's like, hey, um, I'll give you some money right now. And I'll pay you. How much does he say he's going to pay him?
2: I think he
0: says he's going to pay him five hundred dollars. Yeah,
1: it's like two fifty now, two fifty yeah, later,
0: something like that. Yeah. Um,
1: if you come to my party at my house and play, mm-hmm. um, and he's like, you got to know the password to get in. I honestly can't remember what the word was. <laughs>
0: I can't remember either.
1: It's, but like, it's you know, he just gives him like a phrase. Yeah. Um, but then he, the so. Uh, Charlie's like, all right, you know this sounds sick. Yeah, but he's also like, I don't trust this.
0: He's like, I don't know, this is a white man offering a black busker five hundred dollars to come play at a party. and that sa- well, I- in my Mody. in my mind, I was like, this is like a straight setup for like a get out situation. Yeah. because you're like, you're gonna go there. I don't know. I would feel unsafe. Yeah, well, and gonna-
1: that's what I think is like the one of the best scenes in the book is when his dad, like. He he goes home and he's like, "Hey, Dad, I'm gonna get paid to play guitar at this party." And his dad's like,
2: <sighs> his
1: "Dad's like, hey, listen, like, you know, I traveled across the country, I hop trains, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any responsibilities. Uh, I've only ever had a few problems, and what always got me out of it was a switchblade. I keep <laughs> around my neck or this this razor, razor blade. Yeah. So here's a razor blade for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and his dad's basically like, "I don't care about the money. All I care is that you come back." Yep. um and so he goes off to, well before he goes off the ma- immediately after Robert leaves Charlie um with the past phrase Ashmoi which I wonder if that has a meaning
0: I don't know let me google it but yeah immediately after he's left he is approached by two cops yeah and I think he says one is in like casual clothes and one is in like
1: his asmodius
0: oh okay yeah. um that's I feel like that should have been a obvious. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the cops essentially come up and they're like, hey, why was that guy talking to you? And Charlie was just like, oh, he just liked my music or something yeah. like that. Like, he doesn't tell them about the party, because yeah. he's like, I'm not going to tell these, these cops, cops about this. Um, and they're like, liar! Yeah, and they're like, we know he's, like, up to something. And they, I think, um, I think they actually take they the take money. They take the money he they was They take given. the, because, like, so... Robert Sudam gave him, like, 200 up front. Mm-hmm. And the cops who we learn... I think we learn later their names, but one's Howard and one's Malone. Yeah. And Howard essentially takes
1: his money. He says it's is part like, of an, an ongoing investigation. Yeah. Because they've been hired... Well, the uh, Howard, who's a private investigator, has been hired by Robert's family to follow him around because he's been acting weird.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they're like... Alright, because you're being invested like like both of them are racist, but Howard is like especially racist. He's
0: like the more loud racist, yeah. like blatantly racist. Um
1: but he's like he just wants the money, but he's like, you know, this is part of the investigation, I'm taking this money.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and then but eventually they they just like leave and they're like don't come back to this neighborhood. hmm Um and then he goes home, he has a conversation with his dad about the switchblade. And the next day he's like, I'm going back. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes to this house, and I imagined it's like an old decrepit house, and I would bring you back to it again. But the the house in it is what I imagined. Yeah. Um.
0: But I, ima- I imagine it looking like that on the outside, but inside it's like like very nice and preserved, almost kind of looking space. Like you know how like when parents. Back in the day, would maybe, like, put plastic over furniture kind of thing. But you could tell, like, nobody had been in there for, like, ten years. I imagine that once he got
1: to the room where the party was happening, it looked like that. Mm -hmm. But up until then, like, the hallways were, like weird. Like, you know, Mm. they were, like, tilted the wrong, like, floors were, like, crooked Yeah, because
0: even the first time he goes to the house, which it turns out was not the night of the party, but Robert Saddam just wanted him to come by and see the house the night before so that he knew what they were getting into. Um, and even, like, when he's first walking to the library, he says he, like, feels a presence behind him, and he's, like, afraid to turn around. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. I'm like, this is Orpheus. He's following you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But yeah, so he shows up and Sudam has lied to him. He's like, This is actually the day before the party. I wanted to introduce you to what I'm going to do
2: and mm-hmm. hear
1: you play. Um, but he leads him through this hall with a scary thing following him to essentially like a grand library. Um, and Sudam is like, Hey, play the guitar for me. But he can only play like three songs. He just plays like the same three songs over and over again. Yep. And finally, um,. Sudam is like, let me tell you about my party slash operation going on here, Mm -hmm. which the library, I like the way, does he describe like space at that time or is that during the party?
0: Um, he describes it because he says, like, the windows when it gets dark, they like turn the color of like the deep ocean. Yeah. But then it's like the ocean, but you could also see like stars yeah. in the distance. So, and... so like
1: this room basically is like a cosmic intersection. But Sudam is has like somehow learned how to move the space through time and the cosmos and blah, blah, blah. But he describes it as, like, if you had a ball or, like, a piece of paper, it could only touch, like, the four sides and above and below it. Mm. And then he crumples up the paper, and he's, like, now more sides are touching more spaces. And he's, like, this is, like, touching, like, all these different cosmic, like, intersections at the same time in this room now. But, yeah, the room, they're, like, under the ocean. They can see the stars. And Sudan is, like... There's, like, outer gods, you know, like, Cthulhu and blah, blah, blah. But this is the Sleeping King. um, And Charlie, Charlie for the most part, is like, this is, like, breaking my brain, but I'm okay right now. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, what, what, what sets him off? He's like, because he, like, opens the door and tries to run out.
0: Yeah, he, like, opens the door and walks out. And that's the end of part one. Yeah. And I can't remember what makes him walk out either. I think yes. he just is, like...
1: I think he's like, I'm not messing with this uh, He's stuff. like,
0: no. And he just, like, leaves. Yeah. Um,
1: but but Sudam has, like, pitched to him that they can wake up the Sleeping King. The Sleeping King will reward them for his, like, freedom and worship and blah blah blah. And it will set, like, the oppressed peoples of the world free, like, people of color. And
0: I guess you could t- consider it freedom if just everybody is dead, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway... Um,
1: But, yeah, so he leaves, um, and that ends part one.
0: Part two Two. takes place from Malone's point of view. Yeah. Which was one of the cops. And not the one that was, like, the straight-up racist, but the quiet racist. They actually
1: give Malone, like, an internal dialogue that makes him interesting. Like, Howard just yells at you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's just, uh... Well, wait. Actually, I think we skipped. We skipped over a really big part. Hold on. When before Charlie,
1: because he uh, comes back for the party.
0: He comes back for yeah. the party. I thought this is what
1: you were like blending together, but yeah. Um, they when when is it
0: from Malone's point of view when Charlie goes to see his dad? No. Oh, okay.
1: And, and they they like are very close together. Charlie gotcha. leaves, in like a panic, um, and. Gets back to his neighborhood and the whole block is like quarantined off. Yeah, there's people in the streets, and he like walks up to his apartment where the police are standing and Malone and Howard are there. Yeah, and they grab him and they're like, "Uh, hey, your dad's
2: dead."
0: (laughs) Yeah, honestly, obviously that part was very heartbreaking. But the worst part for me was when I was reading it and Howard. I think Howard was like aren't you going to react at all? I just told you your dad is dead. And then like Charlie still doesn't react because he's like in shock. Mm. And also like he knows if he does react that just gives him an excuse to like brutalize him as well. So he just kind of stands there like numbly and then Howard like goes off and is just like See, they're not like us. They don't have feelings or form connections. They don't care, like, when their family members die. It's just, like, another day to them.
1: Yeah, and and I was just like,
0: how much of a fucking heartless asshole do you have to be to think that?
1: Because Howard is even, like, I feared for my life. Like, no one answered, and I walked in, and he was sitting in his chair playing, and he had a gun- so I shot him, and then I found that was a guitar. And he's like, how many times... And Charlie's like, how many times did you treat him? He's like, I emptied my clip into him. And reloaded
0: yeah. and emptied that clip, too. So I think yeah. he shot him, like, 12 times yeah. or something. And I'm like... Jesus Christ. And goodness, even, even
1: Malone like- is like, what the fuck is wrong
2: with you?
0: Well, I think Malone... I don't know. I, like, I don't feel like I like give Malone that much pity or anything, because I feel like he was like... Okay, that's a little messed up, but it's still understandable because it was, like, a black guy. Well, like, I feel well, like that's but, what but
1: his- that's not. Yeah, I mean, but the voice he's written in is not, like, I don't care. It's, like, this man knew he was going to get away with it, and I have no reason to help him, so I'm going to be complicit. But also, yeah, he like, does
0: corroborate his story. But maybe. in
1: his head, when you get Malone's point of view, he's just, like like you know he's like you you don't always have to do things the the hard way sometimes you can just talk to people Um, uh, even though Malone will do stuff like that to get his way if he has to like Malone is at least interesting like he's got le- layers like an onion
0: and Malone like also never talks to any of the people mm. like the others anybody that's like black or hispanic or they he he snoops around their neighborhoods yeah. and, like, listens in on their conversation and, like, eavesdrops on them. And since he's, like, a white guy and a cop and they know he's a cop, they, like, don't tell him to leave. But they also just kind of let him stay there when they realize he's not going to, like, arrest them or anything. But he never... Like, he's learning occult stuff, too, right? Yeah. And, like, writing it in his little journal. He just, journal. like,
1: passively is interested in the occult. But
0: he, like never bothers to learn, like, the languages. Like, he never learns Spanish or, like, you know, a- anything that they speak in Harlem. Like, he just yeah. kind of eavesdrops on them if they're speaking English, and then he's like, he's like, I take their, like, primitive stories that they don't understand how to use, and I, like, use that to further my occult knowledge because I know that they're on to something, but they don't know that they're on something. Yeah, yeah. Kind
1: of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, once they finally let Charlie go, he leaves in shock, goes back to his friend's club and resolves himself that like people need to be punished for their crimes. And he's gonna go to this party, he's gonna wake up to help wake up the sleeping king and like, you know, not necessarily fix the world, but he's like, you know, the world's beyond saving.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: gonna I'm gonna help uh salt the ground that's built on yeah um so he he goes back to the party the next day well he
0: i don't think we ever actually see the party
1: right no he he essentially he goes back and he works basically as like the the right hand man to robert and this is when it slips into malone's point of view and malone's like what the heck is going on
0: I'm sorry, we do see the party. Charlie leaves through the door during the party, not in that first visit with Robert
1: Zudam. Oh, like he walks out.
0: Yeah. During the party. And he... And Robert's like, no, no, not yet, because Robert, I think, wants to be the one to do it, but then Charlie's like, I don't care anymore, I'm fucking going. Like, my dad was killed, the world sucks. Well,
1: no, see, I think once again we're confusing stuff, because it's like, it's very dreamy because he opens the door and he sees malone in the hallway of his apartment building
0: that's the first time
1: yeah but then where does where would charlie go when he leaves the second time
0: that we don't know
1: well he like he just leaves to go do the work uh-huh that's what you're saying
0: He, i think he goes and talks to the sleeping king the second time not like talks to him, but like, I don't, what I kind of like about this book and also the Worm and his kings yeah. is like they deal a lot with like uh, resonance or sound and music and like how that's important. And I kind of feel like after the second time when Charlie goes and he like steps through into the darkness at the party, I feel like he's like, um... he like is musically inclined at least a little more than robert saddam and i feel like when he goes through that second time what i imagined is he's like singing that song his father like that none of this is said in the book this yeah. is just my own head canon. he's like singing that song and he kind of gets like an understanding like i'm gonna get this power from the sleeping king and i'm gonna like carry out his will in the world yeah so but
1: i don't I was all, like, the impression I always got is that no, they didn't know the Sleeping King's will. Except that, like, maybe Robert knew how to wake him. Mm. Um, So I, I would imagine that even if he walked out that door and the Sleeping King was there, like, the Sleeping King didn't give them any commands.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm not conveying what I'm thinking correctly. But like, that's not what I think happened. I think he, like, went in there... Because he he clearly came out and had some kind of power. Yeah. So who gave him that power? Not Robert. Robert would not give Charlie that power if he had the choice, I feel like. Because he would want it for himself. Like, the ability to step, like, essentially instantly travel and, like, hold time and space. I don't think that he would give him that. So I imagine he stepped through and essentially kind of, like not spoke with, but, like, I'm saying through, like, that form of resonance made some sort of covenant with the Sleeping yeah, King, yeah. where it's kind of, like, an unspoken understanding like, Charlie's gonna let me out, and I'm going to give him the tools to do that in the meantime.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't
1: know. because I, I thought that mm-hmm. Robert Robert was powerful. Like, more powerful than we thought he was, and then he gave Charlie some power. Hmm. Because, like, Charlie is still doing Robert's work at the end of the book.
0: Uh-huh.
1: For a while. And, like, Robert's there, too.
0: But he's, like, he's not really. He's, like, playing along with him. Yeah. But with the... With the he... It, anyway, we're getting ahead uh, of ourselves. The, yeah. So...
1: <laughs> but, yeah, um... They... Essentially, like... Charlie gets some powers, mm-hmm. and he sets about kind of like raising the 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 sleeping king. But also, like the people in Harlem are like whispering about like this magical man who like definitely is like a warlock now.
0: And that's when they start calling him Black Tom, Tom yeah, instead of Tommy or Charlie, Charlie or yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and but they have like gotten a building, and then, like, magically fortify the room in there, and they're doing, like, a ritual, Mm -hmm. but from the point, the whole beginning of this is from the point of view of Malone, like, listening, and being like, something's going on, but I don't speak any of these languages, so I have no idea what's going on. right? But eventually, he finds out that Charlie and Robert are doing this ritual, and he can't, he's like, I can't go to the precinct and be like, There's people doing magic. But I can be, like, their, uh...
0: Kidnapping kidnapping. white babies, basically. And he, like, makes up a lie. Yeah.
1: And so he gets, like, basically the whole precinct of Brooklyn? Manhattan? Mm -hmm. Like, like I'll make a lot of cops to, like, do, like, a raid on this building. And they
0: bring, like, air rifles. Yeah, like, assault
1: weapons. Yeah. Um, and they break in and start arresting people but what Malone notices is that there's a door that only he can see
2: mm-hmm. and
1: like he he like walks and I imagine there's like, like a foot of space but like you walk up to the door and like the background like all of this like explosion behind you was like muffled but like you can still tell what's happening and then he like opens the door and inside is uh Robert and Charlie who's now black um Um, and they're, well, they kind of, like, taunt him into coming in.
2: Yeah. They're like,
1: they're like, well, you know, you gotta see it all now.
0: Yeah, Robert Zudam is like, what does he say? He says, like, a quote. I think it's, I don't think he came up with that quote, but I, like, the thing about men like us is that, like, we need to know even if it will. Yeah. Even if it will kill us or something like that. Mm -hmm. Even if we know it it will break us, like, you gotta know. And he's like, yeah, just get in here. Like, see this. Crazy occult shit we're doing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and in this space, they're like writing an alphabet in blood.
0: Classic cult activity, you know. (laughs)
1: Um, and like I like you know clearly getting ready to wake up the sleeping king. Mm -hmm. Um, and like at this point, I imagine that like because like they talk about the building like being like collapsing on them, but they're still in this space. Yeah. Um. There's like so much happens in this tiny room. How does this all go down?
0: Um, so essentially, they're like. Somebody knocks over the bucket of blood, blood, and he, like, needs a little more blood to write his last alphabet letter. Charlie does. And. Or Black Tom, I'm sorry, now. And he is essentially like. I guess, essentially, I think he says something like he knows that Sudan would not actually be able to go through with it, so he pulls out the razor his dad gave him and, like, cuts Robert Sudan's throat and then just, like, writes the yeah. last alphabet letter in blood. Yeah. And the whole time, Malone is just, like, watching what? this, yeah. like, what the fuck? I think, I can't remember at what point, but I think he does try to shoot him at some point, but essentially, this guy is just, like, bulletproof yeah. now. Um. he's
1: become juggernaut.
0: And this giant portal like opens underground, and essentially you can see like that oceany, spacey section. And there's like this giant mass that looks like a sleeping figure of some kind. Yeah. And I think they this is when they see his eye open, mm. like his eye
2: opens. Yeah. So
1: and um. I'm trying to think, cause like uh, Robert or not, not Robert, uh, Malone. His he's burned, right, mm-hmm. and his eyelids are removed.
0: Um, I can't remember, I don't know if he's actually burning, but at one point, I think he comes up to try and confront Black Tom, and Black Tom essentially, like, grabs him by the face, and then, like, cuts off his eyelids, because yeah. he's like, you can't close your eyes for this now. Yeah. And I I couldn't tell if he was actually burning, or if it just felt like he was burning, because his face was in so yeah. much pain, as his eyelids were getting cut off. Because Sorry, this is very graphic, Other people but...
1: talk about him being disfigured, and I pictured it being more full face, but I think it would be more horrifying if it was just his eyelids. The islands. Islands. Yeah. yeah, that would be creepy. Um, But, like, Malone survives and gets out of there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Black Tom disappears, essentially, for a while. And the police are like, well, you can't work here anymore, because nobody wants to look at you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are too ugly. <laughs> but they're like,
1: we'll give you, like, a nice retirement fund for this, like, work you've done, and we'll send you to, uh,
0: Rehabilitation.
1: Rehabilitation near Boston.
0: And which also uh, consists of the nurse trying to convince him that what he saw isn't actually what he saw, which is like fair, I guess, because you know, who could actually say that you saw that, right?
1: Yeah. Um. Um, but one day he goes out, he's like, you know, he's having this weird mixture of like I saw this, I know I saw this, but everyone else is saying it's fake, and then one day he's like, no, you know what, I studied, uh the occult I understand that what I saw is like painful but real, and then someone in the town where he has been like uh, sent out the pasture, to uh, looks up one day and just starts screaming, and then when everyone comes around, they look up. They said like he looked up and they saw Black Tom's face in the sky.
0: Um, I don't think it was Black Tom's face. I think they saw Cthulhu's face.
1: Well, no, did he say Cthulhu's going to get you or whatever?
0: Oh, maybe. Um. Am I skipping ahead again? Was there a part where they saw Black Tom in the
1: sky, too? I thought it was Black Tom in the sky. Oh. Let's see if I can find it.
0: I'm, I I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um. Sales Avenue. Alright. Uh. Uh. Then and there, Malone finally heard the last words Black Tom whispered, oh, down in the basement, I'll take Cthulhu over you devils any day. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I'm confi- I'm mixing them up together. Um.
0: But then at the end, I think it's actually from Black Tom's point of view, the last chapter, Yeah, right? he
1: goes back to the club.
0: He goes back to the club and then he, like, looks out and he's like, I can see Cthulhu, and he's like, I don't know what I did, I don't know when he's gonna get here. Like, if their time is different from ours, it might be, like, one year, it might be a hundred years. Yeah. But so, he's coming. So it
1: says, Each one saw what Malone had seen, the thing that had brought him to the ground. A pair of inhuman eyes stared down at them from the heavens, shining like starlight. Then and, then and there, Malone finally heard the last words Black Tom whispered down in the basement, I'll take Cthulhu over you, devils, any day. So what I imagined from that was mm. that it was, like, Tom had become, like, more... Like, he was, like, an acolyte. But, like, Cthulhu is an acolyte to the Outer Gods. Mm-hmm. He's not... He's, like, an elder being, but he's not a big player by any means compared to some of them. You yeah. Know? I pictured, like, Tom had become, like, that level of being.
2: Mm-hmm. But that's,
1: once again, just, like, complete, like, speculation, because they leave it up to you. Like,
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: the best thing, is, like, the writing in this makes you imagine what the Sleeping King looks like.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: what, like, like, you know, like, it's horror is always better when your mind generates it. Because, mm. like, th- you're gonna make the thing scary for you.
0: Yeah,
1: that's true. Um, but yeah, he goes back to the club, talks to his friend, and then he's like, we're all doomed, and he jumps out the window and dies. I do
0: think it's kind of interesting, because he he doesn't die. He, he disappears. His they, body they, was they, never they, And I kind of like the idea of, like, Maybe it'll take Cthulhu like uh, a thousand years to get to Earth, right? And I'm like mm-hmm. is Black Tom just like on Earth forever now with these like eldritch abilities or like did he go to the plane Whoa. where Cthulhu is and or is like where
1: did he I don't think it's Cthulhu because Cthulhu is on Earth. Honestly. I just
0: keep saying Cthulhu yeah. because I think they say his name once in there. I can't remember if they say it as he is the sleeping king, but then they also do mention he has tentacles on his face, and yeah. I was like, okay, that's good. Yeah. We all know that. But, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, I mean, like, it's it, it's very open to interpretation, and I think you could write a lot of interesting papers on, like, like the, you know, when a, ra- a tragedy happens, that's racially motivated, especially large, like ones that un- involve many people mm-hmm. at once. The reaction to that, it um, is justified because like people feel their emotions, but also, um, you know, at some point, reality people have to talk to each other, or everybody loses. Because, you know, the end of the book is they've woken up an elder god.
0: Yeah, which is, a uh, not good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, so. it's, it's literally, like, they've gotten to the point where they've, they've launched a nuke at each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I just... It was, like, a very easy read, but, like, within, like, 150 pages, like, you know, it's very complicated. Yeah, like, all
0: of that happened in 150 pages, which yeah. is a lot.
1: So. Um, but what I think... I like most about this and I think it works best for short horror, short cosmic stuff Mm -hmm. is and this is something I, I actually started thinking about today for the first time is like, you can write a story that takes place in a world with horror and it would probably work, but I think the better way to think about interacting with horror and, like, supernatural entities Mm -hmm. is that people, the person living their normal life who eventually encounters, like, a paranormal being has not, is not encountering, like, a one-off magical thing, but instead they are encountering the real world for the first time.
2: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: you know, because, like, we've, like, they've been living and living thinking the dead are dead and there's no ghost and blah, 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 and all of a sudden there is a ghost. And it's not like, oh, this is, like, a one-off magical time. This is, like, oh, the world is actually more complicated than I knew about. Yeah. And so if you write about, like, like you know, the afterlife and stuff as if the, that is real, more real than, like, the reality we have currently inhabited, it feels like, you know, encountering a new plane of existence or something. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, I get. It was like a four out of five. I liked it.
0: Yeah, I think I gave it a three out of five when I rated it yeah. it just—it's not really my style, but it was still good. Still yeah. a good read. So
1: well, and like I mean, like I usually like stuff with more characterization, and it's like, like I guess an impressive amount of characterization, but. You know, you could. They could have. This could be a full length novel if you wanted it to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Um, but like, I also have like a newfound love for pocket sized books because I've been reading so many of these little short stories. Yeah, yeah. good.
0: I like it. And that, I mean, uh, that's it. Any last takeaways from it?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, like I'm just looking at this last line on the back now. A storm that might swallow the world is building in Brooklyn. Will Black Tom live to see it break? Um. And, like, I don't know, it's, it's, like, it's the jazz age in the story,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I feel like, you know, the musical aspect that you were talking about, and magic, like, all that stuff is, like, improvisational skills. I don't know. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Magic is improvisational?
1: Well, I mean, like, they're learning an alphabet, they're, like, rearranging reality in new ways to create things they want.
2: Hmm. You know,
1: like, because, like, jazz sometimes sounds like noise to people who don't have the basic building blocks of music fully down to be like, they're doing this on purpose, which is like in, it's impressive in its own right.
0: Alright, yeah, I guess I can see what you mean.
1: So. Yeah. Anyways, up next is Ronnie's book.
0: Yes, I picked a happier book. I this is a comic that I've been wanting to read for a while. Actually, it's called Mooncakes, and I picked it because it did win a bunch of awards, like when it came out. So yeah, there's um, a list right here. Yeah,
1: 2019's Good Read Choice Award finalist, 2019 Sybil's Award finalist, 2020 Hugo Award nominee, the biggest sci-fi award, uh, 2020 ALA Rainbow Top Ten book.
0: Um, Yeah, so Mooncakes is by Suzanne Walker and Wendy Zhu... Zhu?
2: Zhu Zhu? Zhu.
0: Written by Suzanne, illustrated by Wendy, and uh, I essentially think it's... I I believe... I haven't looked too much into it outside of the summary, but it sounds like maybe a sort of of coming-of-age kind of love story between a young witch and, like, this werewolf, and, um... Uh, like the stuff that they deal with, like in their occult town and things like that. So it's just a
1: one-off, right?
0: It's just a one-off. It's just that that book, and that's it. So yeah, uh, yeah,
1: that's it. I, it'll be cool because, like, what what I've been learning about graphic novels more and more recently, um, especially because our friend is working on one, is like seeing all of the different. Presentations you can do, like when you pick up a comic book, you normally know, you're like, "Look at how polished this is, right?" Mm-hmm. But like, there's so many different ways to show, like the paneling on it and the yeah. different art styles. Um, so I always, I've been like really interested in seeing people write their own graphic novels, especially like I just like like the short one page ones. Um, they just fascinate me that you can tell that much of a story and in have that page. much personality and like like five drawings you know yeah
0: yeah so yep
1: yeah so we'll be starting that um we're probably gonna hit uh fly through because a graphic novel
0: yeah
1: uh but part of the reason we picked it is because we'll be out of town for a while
0: yeah we have a lot going on next month so we're on something sweet and short yeah so
1: i'm looking forward to it
0: Alright, well, thanks for joining us
2: yet again for another episode of Shared Pages, and we'll see you next month. Yeah, bye.